Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris Graham. Welcome to another edition of Pizza at the Pagoda podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Christian Jasper, James Watson, Mike McCullen. Boys, we, we've had a week to recover here from the fantasticness that was the Indianapolis 500. I think we're all about ready to go now and get back to, to dueling in Detroit. I'm ready for it. I'm Always. Ready for it. Um, Such a in- weird weekend. It really is. Indy was intense, and I, I, I feel like Detroit is going to be intense, but it'll be, it, it'll be a different kind of intensity, you know? I, yeah, that's something that's kind of interesting when you say it that way because they're in a place that is very okay for IndyCar racing. It's not great. It's Detroit is Detroit, I guess, is really kind of the only way to say it. It is as much about the B2B relationships and the things that Roger Penske can sell and do as it is about putting on fantastic racing. Detroit, kind of, I, both driving it in iRacing and watching the races on TV or my computer. And anytime I see a Detroit race, it, it kind of reminds me of a longer Long Beach. Not saying, no pun intended, um, but it's, it's, it's pretty narrow. It's, a city course it is bumpy as all sin but at the same time it's it's got some history and when racing does happen it's it, it's it's usually pretty pretty sick it's had some good moments like the the marco pole a couple of years ago uh the year when uh rossi was contending towards the front and burned his tires off and went into the <laughs> runoff. It's had it's had its moments. Um, is it going to be a nail biter for two days? No. Is it going to be as, ten- as intense in the 500? No. Is it going to put a hell of a lot of stress on the on the engineers and guys doing the setups to make sure that they've put together race cars that can stand up to uh, you know, to the track and, and you know the the surface and you know everything that Detroit has to offer. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what makes it a, z- a unique challenge. Is you've got Indy, right? You know, designed for these cars. These cars are designed to run at Indy. They spend you know some teams spend their entire you know years getting ready for Indy, mm-hmm. and then you've got a track that's hard to set up for right afterwards and they've got to at least it's not the week after right they've had a week to think about it yeah so it's not like they're they're immediately finishing the 500 the milk's still drying on the car and they're going all right now what do we do (laughs) we got to get ready for detroit so at least they've had a little more time to think about it um and kind of see where where it's gonna go it's it's an interesting event it's it's different yeah i i like the analogy to long beach it's you know Similar. I think Long Beach race is probably a little bit better than Detroit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not a bad it's it's not not a bad track. Uh, I think it's going to stick around as long as Roger wants it, even though there is pretty significant opposition in the city for it. Um, But as long as Roger wants it, I think Roger's going to get it. It, That's kind of an interesting an interesting take on things, because this has always sort of been Roger Penske's baby anyway. And then he goes out and he buys the IndyCar series and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and everything else. 
any hopes that people had of Milwaukee filling in the week after the 500 like we saw it do for, I don't know, 60 years, that has completely gone out the window. Roger wants to have the auto, the automaker presence in Detroit, whether it's actually the Motor City or not anymore. This is big for the manufacturers and especially for one of his longtime partners in Chevrolet. So it's a very big deal to have this race follow the 500 for Roger. Yes. And yeah. And the Chevy connection is so important. You've got the headquarters of General Motors across the river kind of looming over the racetrack like they're, you know, it's. It's for Chevy, and, you know, that's why you let, you know, Chevy executives crash pace cars there every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that may have, that's an easy contender for big, smooth move of the race. Um, One of those things that I notice when I look at the history of Detroit is it actually is kind of a, it it had a little bit of a start-stop kind of history. because. It went from being a mainstay on the cart schedule. It continued on, and I, I'm looking at the media guide here, so I don't see champ car records in here, which to me is a little bit odd because even the 2000, 2001 years were marked as cart, but I think they raced there consecutively. 2007, 2008, they were IRL races. There was not a race in Detroit again until 2012. And then we got into the double headers in 2013, and that really started us back down the path of double headers. What do you think that means to the teams knowing that you had a double points race one week ago at Indianapolis, and we're going to follow it up with basically a double points race. We're just doing it over two separate days in Detroit. It's interesting that you that that. that. In that we've only, I think we've only had one guy who's actually won both races. And, you know, your fortunes can change from that race, you know, day to day. I think New Garden. No, it wasn't even New Garden. It was Graham Ray Hall in 2017. Yep. Now I don't remember. Sebastian Bourdais. That was the first time anyone's done the double. Yes. Bourdais won back to back, but he won the second half in 15 and the first half in 16. Graham Ray Hall is the only one that doubled up on it. And we've really seen some pretty cool stuff. I mean, when I guess it would have been 2018 when we saw Marco out on slick tires in the wet. And if it held out just right for him, it was going to be the most genius move in the history of pit calls. And instead, all that we got to see was the ballsiest drive I think a driver's ever made on a street course. That was probably the most intense drive I have ever seen out of Marco in the entire time that I've ever followed him in IndyCar like that, that, that was crazy, but he made it work. And even when they called him in, he was like, nah, 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 we good. We good. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, yeah. And then that, he that still didn't convert on it, which, which is a shame. It's, it's I, a real shame. Cause yeah, that's, I don't know that you can pin that one on Marco. Um, and, kind of looking at things from a from that historical perspective there's actually Detroit has played a pretty sizable role in the championship battle because 
The driver who has won at Detroit has gone on to win the championship six times, all the way back to Emerson Fittipaldi in 1989 when it was the downtown tour. Bobby Rahal in 92, wow. Alex Zanardi in 98, Will Power 2014 race one. Here's where it gets interesting. Scott Dixon 2018 race one and Joseph Newgarden 2019 race one. They didn't run there in 2020. So we're kind of sitting in a position here where the winner of race one, at least if you're going to play the numerology and the, you know, hinkiness of things, has a very good shot at converting a championship. You know, I feel like that's going to be a bit of a wild card um, this year, especially with, honestly, just with how competitive this whole field has been. Like, God, how how many different winners have we had in how many rounds? Mm-hmm. I don't think we've had a repeat winner yet. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's... we haven't had a repeat winner yet. No, which our, is our insane. first six winners of the season. Alex Palou, Colton Herta, Scott Dixon, Pato Award, Renus VK, and Elio Castro Neves. I... <laughs> Every one of these has been a pretty good story so far. Uh, even if you I include, I don't know if you can call the championship races. if they get a win on this one. Uh, you know, well, yeah. And I guess funny. the question is, do we see a repeat winner this week? Uh, I mean, the way that this season's gone, we've got to have one of the guys who's won a race win a race again, right? Dixon's got to be due for another one soon, especially after what happened to him at Indy. I mean, yeah, and you know Penske's going to be competitive. The the interesting thing, going back to when we started doing the double headers on this, the same team has only won the both races twice. Once with with Ray Hall Letterman, with Ray Hall winning both, and Penske back in twenty fourteen. And even then, it was two different drivers on Penske. You don't even have the same teams winning both races in a weekend, which is insane. So how about even for things like pole sitters only once has someone started on the pole for both races. That was Pagano in 2016. I, I don't understand how we can see. I, it just speaks to how tight the grid is quite frankly, but we see major uh, how- shuffles from one grid to the next and they're only qualifying 24 hours apart. And you know, Detroit Gareth and Detroit take it the way, right? You you have modified qualifying is just the two groups, and then you and then you line up by the groups, so you don't have the knockout round. So it's a different qualifying format than you normally have. And one incident, right? It, it tight, tight corners. We what did we see a couple of years ago when I want to say Rossi Hinch and I forgot who else all got wedged in with each other at uh what was it turn three and they all clipped the turn too easy and just got all stuck together and that's kind of you know detroit right you had charlie kimball punting santino ferrucci a couple years ago um over by turn five turn six it's and then crazy things happen at that track so it it doesn't surprise me that we don't see repeat winners over the course of a weekend unless they are absolutely on their a game but i think it's i think it's fun i know a lot of people don't like it because it's not as action-packed but from a strategy standpoint it is a good strategy track and it tests the abilities of an engineer 
and the guys doing the setups to put a car together that can handle that circuit. That is an incredibly hard circuit, probably as complicated to set up for in terms of suspension is, is probably Sebring, you know, is on the sports car side. Yeah. Um, and then you add the sports cars into this as well. So now you've got different rubber down in the track. So you've got the Michelin rubber from the sports cars and you've got Indy lights and you've got, I forgot what else is um, support races there, but you also have a number of different series running on that track. So there's a lot of variables that go into that weekend and that makes it fun to watch. Yeah. Taking a look at, uh, the weekend schedule here, everything really sort of kicks off at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday. There is the free day on Friday as well, but uh, our Saturday has the Indy Light Series qualifying. 10.10 to 10.30 is the IMSA Championship warm-up. 11 to 11.45 is qualifying for duel number one. So there is, the first time the Indy cars hit the track on Saturday is for qualification. All the practice gets done on Friday. Then you have the Indy Lights race. You're going to follow that right up with race number one for the IndyCar series. Then the IMSA race from 5 to 7 p.m. You come back out, and the first time the cars are on track on Sunday is for qualifying for race number two. So it's there's not even a chance for these cars to burn the the other brands of rubber off the racetrack. These guys are going out onto a skating rink in, in a lot of instances. Does IndyCar usually have, like, not necessarily for a weekend like Detroit, but on any other road course, do they usually have, like, a morning warm-up or a morning yep. practice session before qualification? Yeah, usually. Uh, yeah, they're, you, typically it is a, on the road courses anyway, there's a morning warm-up session. Yeah, yeah. That's run nine, ten o'clock in the morning, and the race may not start till one or two in the afternoon. It's basically that kind of last systems check after you made all the changes from qualifying. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And pre-qualifying, there's usually still a, a full, you know, hour of practice too. In a traditional three-day race weekend, you've usually got two practices on Friday. You've got a practice on Saturday. You've got qualifying after that practice. Then you've got morning warm-up, and then you've got the race on Sunday. So there's you know a number of opportunities but yeah if you're throwing them out there and qualifying in a modified qualifying you These know guys are going in blind and how about yeah, this, this on friday crazy. <laughs> there's and you've got guys that haven't raced this track like even some of our rookies have not raced this track right and some of our non-rookies who were rookies last year have not raced this track there, there's a pretty solid racing hours are being logged i was gonna say there, because the here's the other interesting thing is the only practice for the Indy cars is from five to six fifteen p.m. on Friday. So at oh, no point cool. during the weekend will they practice under qualifying or race conditions. Practice at what did I say five to six fifteen Friday. Come out and you're qualifying eleven a.m. No other time on the racetrack prior to that. Now, here's the other thing with Detroit, too. Because it is June in Detroit, I don't think I've ever been there or have seen it without rain at some point <laughs> at Belle Isle. Either during qualifying, during the race, during practice. I have not been on that island 
for that event and not been rained on horribly or watch that race without it having rain at some point over the course of the weekend. So there's always that factor, too. And it is hot and it is humid in the Detroit area right now. Uh, I was going to say, let's pull up the uh, weather forecast here for the city of Detroit. Coming up on Saturday, partly cloudy, 25% chance of rain, 83 for a high. Sunday is 87 for a high, partly cloudy, 25% chance of rain, which up there means it going to rain at some point. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. No doubt. And it'll be a lovely four o'clock thunderstorm or one of those (laughs) lovely little morning humidity storms where you get a whole bunch of rain really quickly and the rest of the day is horrific and you don't want to be at a racetrack all day. But you will be because you love IndyCar. Yeah, we're and actually we haven't even seen the schedule post yet uh, on the IndyCar media site. So I'm taking all of that stuff, all the information that we just gave with a little bit of a grain of salt, only because until IndyCar posts their official schedule, things. I'm looking at the official IMSA schedule that IMSA has posted up for their competitors, and it's and and it matches uh, like unless we have. Wow, as far as I can tell. Because IMSA posts, and this is a great resource if you guys are looking for IMSA stuff, competitors.imza.com has all the cool stuff. Entry lists, schedules, <laughs> very useful. Um, But yeah, I think that is, yeah. So WeatherTech on Friday gets out at 8 o'clock in the morning for IMSA. Lights practice at 9.50. Yeah, IndyCar, 5 o'clock on Friday. Wow. That is their first time out there. Ooh. That's that um, is. And and then they so they do get a short practice at Saturday at 8 a.m. Saturday morning from 8 to 9 15. IndyCar's got practice too. Okay. Do they have a Sunday so, one? No, they don't. They have 9 15 practice on or 9 15 qualifying on Sunday. Correct. So yeah, that's a it is it's a jam-packed weekend and if you are a if you are able to be there in person i mean it is an outstanding weekend friday is a free day at the track you do have to rsvp in advance but you're you will see stuff on the racetrack starting at eight in the morning straight through until six fifteen at night on friday on saturday same deal 8 a.m indycar practice all the way through until you know the conclusion of the IMSA race, basically at seven thirty or so, uh, and then Sunday right back on track again. Uh, IndyCar VIP stuff starting at eight a.m. right through to the conclusion of the IndyCar race at three or o'clock ish or so. Uh, it's a jam-packed weekend, and I'd be like a kid at a candy store if I could go something like that. Oh, it's such a fun weekend. Um, I've only done the, I've lived in the Detroit area, which is my tenure here is coming to a close very soon, which is why I'm not going this weekend, unfortunately, (laughs) because I'm busy with house stuff all weekend, but I've only done the whole weekend, um, once and you stay downtown, you walk to the shuttle that takes you over to the Island. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a fun 
carnival like 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 any indycar race it's a fun carnival like event but the cool thing about friday is it's free and open paddock access at least it has been i don't know if they're if they're doing that this year or not but in the past the friday is open paddock access and you just kind of can you know go wander around the paddock without a paddock pass and it's you know and you see guys you know you see the guys on their on their you know pit bikes and whatever you know doing what they do and you know it's it's cool and and it's cool for the city of detroit um one you get a lot of people who might not go to a race right you know you get a lot of people that you know hey this is free it's a cool thing to do you know i'm just gotta go and you see a lot of people that you wouldn't traditionally see at a racetrack so it's a good experience to expose some people to you know you know, not just IndyCar, but, you know, sports cars and in the past, you know, yeah. Trans Am and, you know, super trucks and all that. And, you know, might, you know, might make some race fans. And, you know, you take somebody who's never been to a racetrack before and says, hey, this is free. I just, you know, I want to go to this, take the kids or whatever. They go over and the first thing they do is, you know, meet, you know, Scott Dixon or Will Power or, you know, one of the drivers and will take the time to, you know, you know, shake hands, sign things, take pictures, you know, as IndyCar drivers do, you got a chance to take somebody who's never watched a race in their life, one, get them to start watching racing, and two, get them to start coming to races and be a fan. So it's a, it's kind of a well thought out, you know, way to get some get some eyes on the track and also get some, you know, as a thank you to the city of Detroit for sacrificing a third of their park for you know, the time that it takes to, to run the event and set up and tear down from it. Yeah. And actually this so the free day is kind of a, I, well, and actually not even on just the free day, attendees will be able to access the fifth third bank paddock free of charge. All ticket holders, Fantastic. At, all ticket Ooh. holders at this year's race will once again, be welcome in the Alrighty. paddock. So I, it, it, for the teams, this is a pretty drastic change. And one that I am assuming they are welcoming. However, I when the these teams are working in the paddocks, there's and you have fans and everybody else around, there was probably a little bit less of the secrecy stuff going on, you know, just the obvious things of, you know, cover these parts, cover these parts, whatever. Because everybody had a camera. So you never knew who was a reporter, who was a spy, who was a, you know, whatever. Now when you had the COVID protocols, you could really be tight on security because you knew everybody that was in the paddock. So it'll be interesting to see even if how some of those things may change just operationally for the teams. And it, it kind of brings us to a point here in the show where we need to transition as well a little bit as the teams are transitioning from an opening six races of the season where everything leads up to Indy. Even, you know, Barber, all the races that we've had prior to now, all look towards the Indy 500. Now that's over. The one-offs are done. The The silliness and the games and all that stuff is over. Now we, you're really locking down on who are your championship contenders. You mentioned, I, I think a little bit ago, Christian, that you don't think we can see somebody lock up a championship with a win in race one. I think a case could be made that it becomes Alex Palou's championship to lose if he does just that. He's sitting on 248 points. Scott Dixon is second in points at 212. That's almost a full race ahead that Alex Palou has on his team. 
Now, the question is, is Ganassi going to let that happen or are there going to be some team order shenanigans afoot? I know what my gut tells me. My gut tells me there is not a chance that Scott Dixon lets that happen. He Scott Dixon is not claiming his seventh title because the chipper says back him down. It's one thing if there's a a strategy call on the racetrack or something that just doesn't go Palou's way. Okay, then your team orders will happen there. I don't think you're going to see just some magic switch flip and all of a sudden Dixon turns into the Scott Dixon of old and Palou turns into the good second fiddle. Yeah, just just throwing it out there. Maybe I've been watching too much F1 and all their bullshit politics, but... You know, I think something like that would happen if it were race two, maybe. And say Alex pulls out a bigger gap in the championship lead for whatever reason. You know, as 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 rare as it may happen, I mean, we saw it at, at uh, Indy, you know, something could happen to Dixon. You know, what if Polo actually manages to either get a win or at the very least finish well? in the first race and pull out that championship gap. I I think that's something that maybe you have the discussion. If you're chip, that maybe you have to have that talk with Dixon and say, Hey, we're going after this championship here. You're not out of it yet, but until this kid screws up, you're, you're going to be playing one a to Alex. I don't know how you have that conversation with a six-time champ and say, hey, we're going to back you down for the younger version of you. Uh, But it it certainly would raise questions. I'll say that. When we look at the rest of the point standings, Pato is currently third in points at 211. Pagano is fourth at 201. Renus VK is fifth in points at 191. I mean, reality says... Are we down to four drivers that have a shot at this championship already? For right now, at least. It feels that way. Like, you know, like I say every week, we'll we'll know more as as things progress. And we've still got ten races on the calendar, eleven if they come up with a backfill for Toronto. Um so there's there's still plenty of time, but I, I still don't think New Garden's out of it. I don't think Herta is going to be over able to overcome the Andretti woes of this year. And he's just like, I'm just looking at, at his results. Eight points, 54 points, eight points, 30 points, 17 points, 37. It's like just up and down with, with Herta. So I, I don't think he's going to be able to overcome that. But Penske's going to have a good weekend this weekend. Maybe, probably, you know, Rogers probably put a lot of energy, especially with two weeks to figure it out. The team has probably been told to get their shit together for this weekend. So I wouldn't put New Garden out of it. And, you know, Polo and Dixon are going to do what, you know, Polo and Dixon do. Um, So, yeah, it's I think we'll know a little bit, a little bit more. But to count Newgarden out, I think it's too early to say no right now. Mm-hmm. But if he has, you know, a bad weekend or you know gets caught up in someone else's incident or causes his own, um, 
or, you know, it rains or pieces of the track come up or the island, you know, sinks into the river. <laughs> you know, who the hell knows? Um, you know, oh. it could spell doom for, for New Garden. Yeah. One of the other interesting things to me in, in looking at the point standings as they sit now, we have five teams inside the top 10 in points. Chip Ganassi Racing sits one, two. Arrow McLaren is third. Penske is four, six, and nine. Ed Carpenter Racing is five. Andretti is, has one car in there with Colton Herta. Uh, Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan for Graham Ray Hall is eighth. And Marcus Erickson for Chip Ganassi Racing is tenth. While these guys towards the back half of the top ten, I think, realistically don't have a shot i mean graham ray hall's 100 points back in eight that is a massive massive deficit to try to overcome but it's not totally implausible either the point to me though was just that right we have a really really cool teams championship that is brewing here it's good stuff it's it's really really good stuff it, i mean it's especially with I mean, having having so many different drivers and so many different teams winning a different a different driver literally winning every single race so far, I it's fantastic. It, it's fantastic, honestly. Like this this field is tight, and I, I I honestly kind of feel like it's tighter than we realize. Maybe. Um, God, only because of just how mixed up this whole field gets in any at any given point. I mean, hell, even the, even the five hundred was just. Yeah, I mean, well, look at it this thought? way: <laughs> we, we, when you, if you want to talk about big swings here, Jack Harvey is a prime example of this. He was entering the month of May; he was fifth in points. Uh, both he and the, the car, obviously, sitting on 77 points. After the month of May, Jack Harvey is now 13th in points, sitting on 121. So between the GP and the double points Indy 500, Jack Harvey scored 40-some points. To, I mean, Elio Castro Neves is only a handful of points behind him. That and he's only done is, what two races? He's done two races, and he's sitting 14th in points on the strength of his Indy 500 win. How about if we <laughs> if we really want to throw a little bit of shade here? Alexander Rossi is 15th in points, two back of Castro Neves. Ed Carpenter is 16th yeah. in points. Ryan Hunter Ray is 17th. Bourdais is 18th. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous here. Connor Daly is easily the man with some of the worst luck this season, currently sitting 19th in points. Connor yeah. Daly with the worst luck this century. Gets a full-time ride last year. Pandemic. Yeah. Leading the Indy 500. Tire off the nose. Leads, leads the most laps at the. Leads the most laps at the five hundred. The a most. Type one, a type one diabetic leads the <laughs> most laps at the Indy five hundred, making all of us proud. And then he gets a random tire to the nose, which is kind of like life with diabetes. Things are going great. Nope, not anymore. They're not. <laughs> Screw you. Uh, 
So my my six year old was absolutely losing his mind that Mullet Man was in the lead of the five hundred. Uh, <laughs> I was losing my mind. I was telling all my I was telling all my type one diabetes friends. I'm like, hey guys, one of us is leading the Indy five hundred, and a lot of them really appreciated it. Like nobody knows who Connor Daly is, but it's cool for us to have that type of representation. It, you know, we had Charlie Kimball going back to 2011. You know, Charlie doesn't make the 500 this year, and Connor goes out there and and does his proud. So, uh, yes, that's cool and, for us. And and he ran by far the greatest paint scheme we've seen in IndyCar in the last probably 20 years at the GP of Indy too. Yes, selling insulin, which is fantastic. Uh, he's, uh, Selling insulin by saying tired of pricks on the side of the car. I, yes. Society as a whole is tired of the pricks. All right, boys, before we get too far off the rails here, um, what are we thinking for kind of rest of the season? There, there's some trends that have started to develop early on this season. Alex Pillow being one of those surprise trends here. What what do we see as the trends as we approach the halfway point in the season? Kind of hate to put this evil on Rossi, but I think if he doesn't pull a good result out of at least one race at Detroit, it, it could be either one of them. If he doesn't pull, pull a good result from at least one of them, he's going to be sticking to the back. Because he just it just doesn't look like he's been able to get it together. I don't remember how long does he have left on his deal? I was just going to say, I don't remember how long Rossi has left on his contract, but we're all thinking it because I mean, he's got to be just apoplectic with Andretti right now. Like nothing's gone his way. And I think part of it is just bad luck, but some of that's got to be on the team. And he's just, the guy is such a competitor that, this he cannot be a happy man yeah uh, no he's, and he's it, a it's a he's legitimately a good driver too and it's like yeah he's a great driver what is happening i well it, it's a it was a four-year deal that was signed in 2019 typically indycar deals are either two or three-year contracts this was a four-year deal because Honda wanted to guarantee that Rossi would be lead development driver for the new engines that'll be coming in 2023, I guess. That sounds about right, yeah. That's a, one way or the other, Alexander Rossi is going to be driving a Honda. So if you start to look at it from that perspective, how many places are there for Rossi to go? Outside of a retiring Scott Dixon's seat, what's a better drive than what he has uh, right now? I mean, you've got you got Ganassi, you got Shank. That would uh, be a lateral move. Dale Coin. I would say that's does a, Ray Hall run Hondas? Yeah, Ray Hall runs Hondas. Well, who you got? Who who you? Are you going to fire from rail? Either you're gonna are you gonna add another seat, or are you gonna let Sato or the guy whose name is on the uh, sign go? You know, 
I would wager they would add another seat because Rossi could probably bring in money. Well, I would imagine Rossi is coming with Honda money. And right. if if I am if I'm Honda Honda money and an Indy five hundred win. I, I am mean, not yeah, real happy with where Alexander Rossi is running. Especially I'm when Honda, you, I'm not happy where Andretti's running. Well, that's what, yeah. that's kind of my point is they've obviously got Ganassi is is doing what they need to do at the head of the field. Outside of Colton Herta, the rest of that Andretti team is basically nowhere to be found. I mean, we saw what Honda did with Bourdais a couple of years ago. Uh, with with Dale Coyne, he lost that Honda money and lost his ride. Yeah, so I wouldn't put it past them. Man, I do you really let Rossi go and then he signs with Penske? I think Honda probably won't let not, that happen. There's not a chance that he that he leaves the yeah. Honda stable. Yeah. So so, well, but it, he's got to be talking to agents about what does he do for the next two years there if this doesn't get better yeah what are the buyouts because this has been yeah because oh let's let's go back and look right he signed his deal in 19 and where where did he finish in 19 was that his second was that second in the championship no now i don't remember uh yeah that one (laughs) yeah really we didn't even do that part um We'll get to that one in a little bit here. We'll wrap up the show with that. But <laughs> oh. yeah, he finished third in the championship in nineteen. So he signs a he signs a deal. Then obviously last year went haywire, and he finished down a ways. Yeah, he finished ninth, and he's sitting way down this year. Now last year you could argue it was a fluke, but this year's results are. Not kind of showing a trend. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the same thing. You you look at his you look at his points finishes nine twenty one eight twenty seven twenty nine. So the same the same thing as Herda. Just Herda's got some bigger numbers here where they're absolutely awful one race, then slightly better. Uh, like he you know he got screwed with you know with the timing of that you know of the caution and the and the fueling and all of that stuff you know the 500 but Ganassi got Dixon his lap back and Andretti didn't and I don't know how much of that's on the team or just how much the you know way shit shook out but it also showed that you could not pass cars because even you know when they were going for that restart you know Rossi gave Dixon the thumbs up and he's like let's go and even working together, they could not make progress through the field. So Dixon was the only one who seemed out of those two. Dixon legitimately seemed to be like the only one who could make some passes happen. Because like, he's Scott Dixon. Uh, true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like not as they weren't. Passes that looked easy by any means, because um, that from the start, that whole field was tight. Um, but. Rossi could not follow him. Yeah, and I don't know. Again, you know, probably, you know, you know, combination of luck and how Andretti set up that car. But yeah, I mean, and then you got to look at writing on the roll for Hunter Ray, too, right? He is 
in his 40s. He's having a shit season. What does this look like for him? Uh, Hunter Ray is in six races. He's continuing a trend from last year. I'll say it that way. Uh, Hunter Ray this season has, in his six starts, one top 10, four laps led. Last year in 14 races, he had four top fives, seven top tens, and a grand total of four laps led. It was, I don't know what happened when all the shutdowns started happening. I don't know if there was some sort of a brain drain at Andretti, what the potential issues were, but they have not been good since the 2019 campaign wrapped up. This is really yeah. a two-year snide that Andretti is on. Like, last year's understandable. Like, you expect chaos in a chaotic year, and we, we got it, but this is just... I mean, same thing with Hinchcliffe, too. He gets a full-time deal, and quietly sits at the back. I mean, that... You know, for you know, proving to the point of the guys who said, hey, great guy probably shouldn't have a full-time drive anymore, should probably be riding a desk full-time. And then, you know, is he better in a better team that's got it going on right now? If you took Hinch and stuck him in a Chip Ganassi ride, would he at least be competing for top tens as opposed to riding around the back? Did Andretti just kill his career? When I look at where Hinchcliffe is, you kind of have the demarcation line of 2015 of, of when he had the accident in 2016, he had 16 starts four top fives, nine top 10, just kind of consistently. And those numbers match every season. It feels like go back to before the accident, 2014 in 18 starts, he had four top fives, eight top 10. 2013, in 19 starts, he had three wins, six top fives, 11 top tens. He was very much on the ascendancy. And it's understandable to say that wreck that he had changed him. But the reality is he is very much a changed guy from where well, he I was. Mean, but if you take 2018, so. you take 2018 and he actually qualifies for the field at the at the 500 and actually runs the thing, he's sitting higher than 10th in points. And 18 wasn't a bad year for him. You've got the win at Iowa. You've got a podium at Al- at Barber. So he doesn't only finishes the year pretty, pretty crappy, but he doesn't have a bad year. You know, almost podium at Toronto. Um, I, no, he doesn't I, have a bad year in 18. My opinion is it speaks but, to where he is with the team more than anything else. Because you've got to go all the way back to, I guess, Max Chilton is technically a full-timer, but not really. Um, Dalton Kellett is the lowest running driver that is, I would call, full-time. 25th in points, sitting on 62. James Hinchcliffe is 24th, sitting on 74. With a sponsor that is brand new to the sport, is the title sponsor of a race, you know, kind of dipped their toes in with Hinch last year. 
went full in this year and they are getting nothing in return. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ed Jones is 23rd in points. Tony Kanan, who's not running a full schedule, is 22nd in points. Roman Grosjean, who's not running a full schedule, is ahead of him in points. You're... Andretti is in a deeper hole than I think we're even sort of letting on here. Outside of Dalton Kellett, who I think you could legitimately ask the question of, should he be in an Indy car? James Hinchcliffe is the hmm. lowest ranked driver of the 25 or so that we go, yeah, those guys can compete. Those girls can compete. Hinch is just nowhere to be found, but the rest of the Andretti team is not much better. No, no. And I'm, I'm just worried. You've got sponsors that have committed to the big sponsors, right? Those like, we're not talking like, you know, onesie, twosie, you know, Bob's discount furniture, right. you know, sponsoring a car. You've got big sponsors, Napa, DHL, um, Genesis is, you know, big and new. And, you know, I don't know how big they are, but they're new to the sport. The sponsors and, that stay the same on the car weekend and week out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're not getting returned for their money. And questions have to be being asked and like what are you doing you know Gainbridge right you know Gainbridge comes in with Veach they like Veach he doesn't do anything with that car they hand it over to Herta and Herta's done things with it but they were probably expecting a lot more out of Herta than they're getting other than you know the win yeah yeah, something's got to go. You know, I'm sure Michael's getting some angry phone calls from sponsors going, what are you doing? Yeah, I I would tend to think so. But boys, we're we're already hitting a point here where we're going to have to start wrapping things up a little bit here. So before we get to our picks, what are we drinking this evening? I'm just drinking water tonight because I am in the process of desperately trying to get my house all packed up so I can move <laughs> hopefully next week. So just water tonight. Once this move is done, there will be plenty of celebration. But right now, just water. <laughs> what do you have, Chris? Ran out of the alcohol for right now, so um, uh, well, I got uh, made myself some food before the recording, so I got got myself a, a Tahitian treat. There you go. I, I, if, you've I never am... had, if you've never had that, it's like a Hawaiian punch, but it's a soda. Highly recommend. I could get behind that in a very big way right now. I, I <laughs> we to give the, the listeners a peek behind the curtain here. I have been fighting World War Three with our second floor deck on the house. I grilled up some burgers for dinner. Get myself a nice bush beer. All right, come on, we'll go back outside and get some more work done on the deck. And then my phone starts lighting up in my pocket with these guys going, "Where the hell are you? We're recording a show here." So, grabbed another bush <laughs> out of the fridge fly downstairs to get everything set up here so only one of us is is enjoying the alcohol tonight but something tells me that that may not be the best move either after a day working outside with the uh sweat index of 15 for all the body parts that you could possibly sweat out it was ridiculous (laughs) here outside you'll just sleep really well tonight i was in chicago last weekend and 
holy crap, am I out of shape from from not doing anything <laughs> last year? I walked like half a mile and I was just like, oh, no, this is bad. I was climbing the stairs to to get on the L to to go somewhere. And I was like, oh, oh, no, this is bad. So, yeah, it's, sure. it's definitely get, time to get, get in shape. Anyway. My fat ass back in shape. That's for sure. All right, boys. So it's yeah, time it, for picks here. Good. James, unfortunately, had to, to drop early on here. That's why you haven't heard James Watson. He will be back with us next week. We will not make him pick an anchovy. However, we will give him willpower as his pick of the week because he's never picked anybody else. So James Watson will take True. willpower to win this weekend and every other IndyCar race until the end of time. We'll kick things off with the anchovies here, and we'll go to Mike first. Who's, uh, your, who's your pick it, for the anchovy of the weekend? Uh, my anchovy, I think, is going to be... Ah, we'll go with willpower. Balance out, James. <laughs> uh, James isn't here to defend himself, so we'll crap all over him. But perfect. <laughs> Like we did to Tony Patty. Like we did to Tony Patty a couple of weeks ago. All right, Christian, who's who's the anchovy of the weekend? I think it's gonna be Rossi. I th- I think it's gonna be Rossi. I want him to do well, but I mm, he he just uh, him and Andretti just have not been able to get it together. It's it sucks to see, but I think they're going to be big losers in both races. Uh, not the worst pick that's ever been made, that's for sure. Uh, however, I'm going on a little bit different path here. I am going to say that the weatherman will be the pineapple of the weekend because they're going to miss the forecast, and we are either going to have stunningly beautiful weather or it is going to be a dumpster fire of rain, muck, and nastiness, both of which will hopefully make for very good racing. That's kind of my point. Put a bunch of water down on Belle Isle, and the stars really come to the top. All right, so we'll go to, we'll go top to bottom here now. Christian, who is your pick to win one or both races? And actually, you can call if they double up or not. Oh, oh, that's a hard one, especially with all of them being so close. I, mm, I'm going to say Newgarden is going to get one. He, I, I think Newgarden is going to get at least one this weekend. That's, that's not a terrible pick here as I fly back through the media guide back down to Detroit here. Um, Joseph Newgarden has a standing record of let's see victory in 2019 a podium in 2017 where he finished second also he was the pole sitter for race two in 2019 so joe new can definitely get around here i think it's a matter of can he finish what he starts depending on where that may be Mike, who's your pick here? Who's the winner of the race this weekend? Uh, I'm going to same vein as uh, Christian, but I'm going to go with Pagano for one. I don't think he's going to get both. 
I don't think we're going to see that trend continue, just how this season's gone. But I'll go. I'll safely go Pagano for for one of them this weekend. You know, I, I'm going to take a guy who we haven't seen enough out of yet to make me think that he's a serious contender. Uh, but he is hanging around inside the top ten in points. I'll say Graham Rahal gets a win this weekend. He's He's in one of those spots. You put his back against the wall, and and the guy usually is able to pull something out when he needs a a big finish. So he will not win both, but he will get at least one of the two. But with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of Pizza at the Pagoda. A little bit shorter than the last couple, so hopefully all you listeners enjoy that one here. Let us know. You can email us, pagoda at nationalracingnetwork.com. We'll get your questions up on the air. We'll pose them to the crew of hosts. And also make sure you check out National Racing Network on Twitter at the NRN TV. You can also ask us your questions there with the hashtag PATP for Pizza at the Pagoda. But with that, we will be back next week with a recap of the Chevrolet duel in Detroit. For Christian Jasper, Mike McCullen, and James Watson, my name's Chris Graham. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. We will talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the races.